And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. How do we hear God's voice? This is really an important question that, uh, that I think all of us need to be asking. If we are not asking the question, how do we hear God's voice, we need to be. And I'm going to unpack why that is so important in our lives here in just a few minutes. Well, let's ask the Lord's blessing over our time together. We do this every single Sunday as a way to kind of prepare our hearts for God's Word. And so say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your Word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've got your Bible or smartphone, let's, uh, let's make our way to Proverbs chapter 14. That's Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verse 12 today, and this is just kind of a, a starting point. It's a launching pad for us um, as we go into this discussion about hearing God's verse. So in Proverbs 14, verse 12, and I'm going to read it, and then I want to make a couple comments about a few things, observations in this verse. But, but here's what it says. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. That there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, ends in death. And I want us to leave that verse up here for just a second, and I want to point out a couple things. One thing that I see in this verse, if you've got a Bible and you can got a pen and you can circle, circle the word each. I think that there is, um, there's a little bit of, of personal nature in this. So when I read this verse, I could read it as, there is a path before Ryan that seems right, but it ends in death. Like you can put your name in that, that each of us, have this path that's laid out before us that God wants us to journey on, a path of his purpose and his plan in our life. But there's also a path that we kind of look at that seems right. And what we're being shown in scripture here is that when we lead our life based upon what seems right to us, that it leads in a direction of death. I don't know if you've ever kind of had a situation in your life where you kind of thought it through, um, where you, you kind of took the best option of what you thought was there and it still didn't work out, right? I've had plenty of those in my life. And what the Bible is getting at is that what we tend to do in our lives is we tend to kind of think it through. We tend to rationalize it through. We tend to think, what's the most logic decision that we can make in this moment? What does our heart say about this decision. And what the Bible is telling us is when we allow that to be the guide of our lives, it leads to death. Now here Solomon uses the word um, death, and it's not just death related to an eternal perspective. Like he's not just talking about heaven and hell, but this word also death means ruin. And so it's this idea that if we're going to lead our lives, if we're going to make decisions for our lives that seems right, like we're going to do what seems right in our marriage, we're going to do what seems right with our opportunity of whether or not we relocate our family to a new vocational opportunity, or we're going to do whatever seems right when we are choosing what college we're going to go to when we graduate high school, like 
Like no matter what we, oh, what decision we've got to make, what Solomon is getting at here is that when we do what seems right to us, that eventually it's going to lead to ruin in all of those areas. Here's how I kind of look at it, and I got a statement up here, that just because it seems right doesn't mean it is right. Anybody agree with that? Just because it seems right doesn't mean it is right. And the reason why it's so important for us to really tune our ears to the Father and to hear what God is saying to us is because the devil recognizes that if he can get us making decisions based upon what seems right to us, then we're right in his wheelhouse, right? If he knows that that's going to lead us the wrong way and he knows how important it is for us to really be able to hear what God is saying and, and the direction that he's giving in our lives for specific decisions, then don't you think that he's going to do everything that he possibly can to try to come against and to fight against our ability to be able to hear God's voice? And so I think that one of the, the go-to tactics for Satan as he tries to cloud out and, and drown out the voice of God in our lives, I think one of the go-to approaches or tactics of his is distraction. I think it's distraction. And what I want to do today is I want to first, I want to shine the light on some of the tactics that the enemy uses to try to, 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 to drown out the voice of God in our lives. And then I wanna share a, a few ways that we can better hear the voice of God in our life. And so I've called these weapons of mass distraction. <laughs> these are Satan's weapons of mass distraction. And the first one is this, it's busyness. Can I get an amen on that? It is busyness. In Luke chapter 10, we see the story about Mary and Martha, two sisters who invite Jesus over to their house for a meal. And, and we see in Luke chapter 10, verse 39, that, that she, speaking of Martha, had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet. And look at this, that she was continually listening to his teaching. But in verse 40, it says, but Martha was what? Very busy and distracted. She was busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And so we see Mary here, Mary at the feet of Jesus, plenty of stuff to do, but with ears open, trying to listen to what Jesus is saying. And then you've got um, Martha, who's busy doing a lot of different things. And notice in the story, like if you were to read it a little bit more, that the things that she was doing weren't bad. It wasn't like she was doing a whole lot of bad things that Jesus was frustrated about. She was doing a lot of good things, but the good things were taking her focus away from the most important things. And you see, if you continue to read in that story that Jesus tells uh, Mary that she chose what is better. In other words, because Mary pushed the, 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 even the good things, the things that, that were, were, would be understandable for her to do, she would push him away in order to be able to listen to Jesus. Jesus says, you did the better thing. 
And I've come to learn this in my life. I'm 45 and um, uh, I've got enough life behind me and I've got a little bit of life um, ahead of me and I've learned this and I've got this up on the screens that if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy, right? Like you may not need the enemy like the, okay, so for me, um, if, if we've not met, if you're kind of relatively new here, I didn't grow up in church. Um, I, my parents were both alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, my mother uh, struggled with prostitution. Um, I started kind of living a similar lifestyle, the college party atmosphere, all of that kind of stuff. Um, struggled with drugs and alcohol. And when God got a hold of my life and turned my life around and I started going all in for God and, and, and living for him, like I'm at this point now, like the enemy could come to me and tempt me with drugs or, or, or addiction to alcohol or whatever, could tempt me with that, and it's really not a temptation for me anymore. Like, God has delivered me from that. It's not a temptation. But you know what is a temptation in my life? Busyness. Having too much to do, too much going on, the kids going all over the place, all these expectations with, with work and, and leading a church and leading my family and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I think for some of us, like our, our feet are planted in God. Like we love God. We ain't going anywhere. But if the devil can get us so busy in our lives that we are not allowing ourselves to be in the right atmosphere so that we can have our ears tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is saying, then he wins the battle. This is a question that I like to ask every once in a while that's a little, it's a little thought-provoking and it's a little heavy. But here's the question is, when was the last time that, that you said no to something you enjoy so that you could say yes to God? Like we're really good at flipping that around. Like we're really good at, at no, I can't do that today, God. I can't do it because I've got all of this, right? Or man, I scored some sweet tickets to a football game and, and there's nothing wrong with missing church for a football game, but if you miss a lot of church for football games, I mean, where God, where's God in that? And when's the last time you said, you know what, I'm not gonna go to this game, although I got tickets, I'm gonna bless somebody with this because I just wanna be in the house of God. Like when was the last time that you said no to something you enjoy, something that you love, for God rather than saying no to God for something that you love. All right, I'm going to move on with that. <laughs> Listen, there's not a question that I throw out there I don't ask myself. So I'm on this journey with you too. Here's, here's another one that I want to put up on the screens, that if we don't make time for God, then there will be no time for God. That we have to be intentional with our busyness, we have to be intentional to make time for God. To, to, and nobody's looking for, like, if you want to be the super spiritual, like, two hours a day or whatever, then you go for it. But, but for some of you right now, like, if it's been three months or four months since you've read your Bible or if you spent time in prayer, maybe for you a huge win would be, I'm going to give God five minutes of my day a few times this week. Or maybe for you today, like, like real practical, maybe for you today, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the night of prayer this Wednesday night to put myself in an atmosphere 
to where I can hear from God. Another weapon that, that is a weapon of mass destruction is competing voices. Competing voices. You know, I don't think the issue is that God's not speaking anymore. I think the issue is that we allow so many things in our life to, to, to have a voice in our life that it drowns out the voice of God. And what's interesting is this is not just a 21st century kind of thing. You know, we live, we all live a busy, busy life and there's a lot of expectations on what we do, but it's not just a 21st 21st century thing that we deal with because Jesus even shined the light on these competing voices. Look with me in Luke chapter 14, and this is kind (laughs) kind of interesting. Luke chapter 14, verse 18, he says, but they all, they all like began to make excuses. The first said that I have just bought a boat and I must go and see my boat. Please excuse me, another said, that I have just bought a new sports car and I'm on my way to try it out right now. Please excuse me, still another said that I just got married. I just I just got this new boyfriend or girlfriend, and, and man, I'm really, I'm really wanting to get married, and so I'm a hang, I, we got to hang out together and, 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 and all that, so I just can't come. Like, I, I can't be there, and, and, and you think of that, and you think of all the voices that we allow that just kind of speak the excuses that, that tend to pull us away from the places that we hear God the most. I mean, think about, think about all the things that are warring for our attention. I mean, think about it. I mean, why would that not be a tactic that the enemy uses to try to drown out our ability to hear God's voice? And here's the reason why it's important to kind of push some of those voices aside, and it's up on the screen, that we're going to struggle to hear God's voice if we're always having things in our lives competing for his attention. I think we all want to hear from God. We all want to have his leadership in our lives. But if we've got so many things in our lives that he's having to compete for attention, then we're going to struggle to hear God's voice. And then the third one I want to mention, the third uh, weapon of mass destruction or distraction is shifted focus. And this one's interesting, okay? Shifted focus. You see, it's hard for us sometimes to keep a kingdom perspective with all the things that we face in our life, like family stress going on, and we got frustration at work, and we're trying to get kind of settled in in school and college and trying to figure out like the homework stuff, and and we got sports, and we've got, you know, the pressure of trying to raise um, uh, kids in frustrating seasons in their life. Can I get an amen from any middle school parents out there? Yes. I feel like I have had a salvation moment because all three of ours are in high school now. And so we've made it. We've made it. (laughs) I know, right? What 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 do they say? Uh, New levels, new demons or something like that. Um, Kids, I'm not talking demons. You guys, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. 
See, the devil, I don't think the devil is as concerned about trying to get us to throw in the towel of our faith as much as he is trying to get us focused on some other things in our life. And as we see with Martha, that, that it, the other things in our life, they don't have to be bad things. They could be good things. But if they keep us from the great things, the best things in our life, then they become a distraction. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, we see it in here. We must get rid of everything that, that slows us down. So it's this, this idea of like, a, I, I'm trying to throw like, like, I used to be somewhat quick back when I was a, a, a teenager. I'm like nowhere quick right now. Um, I played softball. I love softball. I'm getting a little too aged for softball. Um, but um, the last few softball teams that I played on, they would laugh at me so hard because I could hit the ball a long ways, but if I had to run, right, to stretch like a single to a double, they said, it's like watching me run in slow motion. It's just like, <laughs> and, then, and then every time I would start to slow down to like second base, they would start making these, these noises like an 18-wheeler truck the Jake breaks, you know, the like, like trying to slow down because I had to slow down to second base, halfway to second base just to get my body to stop. Um, and so the idea of this is like, like we're running this race and it's this idea of we're, we're throwing the, we're throwing the things off of our life that are slowing us down, our progress down. Especially, it says, the sin that distracts us. And what are we talking about? Distracting from God's plan for our life. And it says, we must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. And then in verse 2, look at this. We must focus on Jesus. This word focus means to look away from everything else. It's, it's, it's this, this idea of, of kind of this way, right? Like when I'm looking this way, I've got a peripheral vision that I can see what's, what's happening around me. But when I cut my hands around my eyes and I look forward, I have this straight ahead laser focus in my eyes. And that's what we are being called to as a body of Christ is to have this focus on Jesus, because Satan knows that it doesn't take much of a deviation to get us to the wrong destination in our life. Let me explain or illustrate that to you. If all of us today, which would be kind of fun to do, but if all of us today jumped on a plane in LAX and we took off at LAX headed to New York City and we were only five degrees off on that journey, we would end up in Washington, D.C., not NYC. Planes or, or aviators, pilots, they have this kind of rule that, that they're taught in aviation school. It's a calculation to, to kind of help them to make sure that, that, that they get to the right destination. It's the one in 60 rule. And what the one in 60 rule does is it's this periodic check that, that pilots do to, to make sure that they are headed in the right place because even the, the most skilled pilots, if they're flying manually, will get off course a few degrees. And so they, they do this one in 60 rule where they begin to check to see how far off, um, off the heading they are and then they begin to make the necessary adjustments in order to get to their destination. And I can't help but to think how that looks in our lives in a spiritual context, that, 
that the best that we have to offer, like the best heart and desire to live for God and to do what God wants us to do, we're going to find ourselves off course a little bit. We're going to find ourselves in life beginning to drift this way and this way. And, and honestly, that's what the enemy wants. Like, like if he could get you five, five degrees off, so instead of you spiritually ending up in New York City, you end up in Washington, D.C., then he feels like he's done a good job. But for us, hearing God's voice and being tuned into that is really that one in 60 rule spiritually where periodically in our lives, we're asking the question, God, how am I doing? Like, what are some things that are in my life that might be distracting me, some good things in my life that are keeping me from the best things in my life? And periodically, we go through this in our lives where we're giving God the invitation to suggest some changes and some course adjustments in our lives. See, we see this Proverbs 14, 12 and how it's telling us that, that we're gonna find ourselves off course from time to time and how important the voice of God is in our lives. And so I wanna give you the next few moments, I wanna give you three uh, course adjustments that we need to make in our lives in order to be able to hear God clearer. So three course adjustments. The first one is this, is we will hear God's voice clearer as we read his word. That we're going to hear his voice clearer as we read his word. I think that if we don't fully comprehend that this book right here is not just about um, historical records. It's not just about best practices in our lives, that this right here is a reflection of God's heart for our life. When we get into this and begin to read it and allow the Holy Spirit um, we allow him as he starts to knock on the door, right? Last week, as he starts to knock on, on the door of some areas of our heart, we allow him to do what he wants to do, that it begins to silence some of the voices in our lives so that our ears can be more in tune to what the Spirit is saying. In Psalm chapter 119, 105, it says this, it says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light my path. But it's a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. Let me point out something that's very obvious that oftentimes we may look over. The word is not a flashlight. It's not a spotlight that, that you can like hook up and you can see miles down the road. It's a lamp. Now, I'm what you call a glamper. Like, I'm not an outdoors kind of guy. If we're going to go camping, we're going to go camping in a nice RV, not a tent. And I'm sorry if I've lost my man card, let's go to the range and I'll get it back. But <laughs> I did have somebody in our previous church say, are you an FBI undercover agent or really a pastor? Um, but the Bible in our life becomes a lamp. And what does a lamp do? A lamp only illuminates a few steps ahead of us, right? And so I think sometimes we get frustrated with the word because we read it and it's not showing us around the corner and it's not designed to show us around the corner because God desires our faith to be built. And if we always saw around the corner in our life, why would we need faith? Like, why would we need it? 
The Bible says it's impossible for us to please God without faith. So there is this, this journey that God has us on of trying to develop our faith. And so the Bible becomes a lamp that allows us to be able to see what's that next step that we've got to take in our lives. And so many times we stunt our progression in our journey with God because we won't take a step until we see the path. But God's trying to reveal the step because he's trying to develop faith in our lives. And so if we're going to hear God clear, we've got to get in his Word And one of the ways that you can get started in that is join us in the seven days of prayer as we begin to navigate through the book of James. And we're going to have a, a live discussion about that um, on social media. And so come be a part of that at 8 a.m. The second one is this, is that we will hear God's voice clearer when we cultivate his presence. That we're going to hear God clear, one, when we read his word, but secondly, when we cultivate his presence. And this word cultivate, um, it's not really the kind of word that I use. Um, you probably don't use it a whole lot in your life, uh, but it's an agricultural word and I just couldn't get away from using it because I couldn't find a better word to use. But the idea is, is that it is preparing the soil for an upcoming crop. And so in Matthew chapter 13, if the health of the soil determines the health of the crop, we see in Matthew 13, Jesus shares this parable of the farmer scattering seed. And it's really a story about how important the soil of our heart is to the blessing of God that we experience in our life. And, and to save time, I'm not going to read it, but it's at Matthew chapter 13. You can, you can read that parable there. But there's four kinds of soils that Jesus talks about in Matthew 13 as it relates to the father sowing seed. And so it says that the father sows seed and it lands on the path. And the path is the, the path that everybody's kind of walking on. And so the dirt has been compacted and it's hard. And so Jesus says that on that kind of soil, as the father scatters the seed on the ground, that it stays on top, and then the birds end up coming and eating the seed. And this represents, to me, it represents somebody who's totally resistant to God. Like they've got just a total hard heart towards the things of God. That could because they have questions, that aren't answered. It could be, be because they've had um, a lot of hurts in the past and they've just gotten a hard heart. And, and as, the, as the father scatters seed, as the, God, the father's trying to, to, to bring blessing into their life and navigation into their life, it doesn't ever go anywhere because the soil, the heart is so compacted. And then we see the second soil, the rocky soil, Jesus says. And this one's kind of interesting because it does have soil that the roots can, can grow into, but the problem is, is it's full of rocks. And so the soil is kind of shallow, and so the roots would actually begin to, to grow into the soil, but they can't get deep enough to protect the plant from the harsh environments. And I think that represents somebody who really has a divided loyalty in their heart, someone who 
who loves God, but they also love the world. And so what they end up doing is they end up kind of straddling the fence and they, they try to have the best they can get of God and the best that they can get of the world. And the problem is, is that when life happens, when difficulty comes knocking at the door, they end up pulling away from God. They end up quitting on the church because somebody said something and, and they got hurt or they experienced something bad in their life. And so they blame God for it because they're straddling the fence and their, their faith roots were never able to sink deep enough to protect them. And then you see the, the, the third soil that Jesus talks about. It's the soil with the thorns. And this one's interesting because there's good soil, Jesus says, like, like the father scatters the seed and the plant begins to grow. But because it's surrounded by thorns, as the plant grows, it gets choked out by the thorns that are surrounding. And I like to think of this one kind of representing someone who loves God. They may even be somebody that's, that's, that's faithful to uh, one of the most faithful people in the church, but they have surrounded themselves, surrounded themselves by toxic people. And those people end up choking out all the things that God is trying to do in their lives because of the people that they've surrounded themselves with. And then you see the fourth soil. The fourth one that, that Jesus calls the good soil. And, and, he, and he basically says that when the farmer threw the seed onto the good soil, that the plant didn't just grow, but it began to produce a harvest that was 30, 60, and 100 times what was planted. And I kind of think of that and I think about it, and it's something in my own journey that I've had to question from time to time about how good the soil is in my heart. Like how much offense and hurt have I held on to in my life? Early on in, in, um, when I started following God and, and I kind of had to take this, this break um, from the college kind of fraternity party scene. And I actually had to cut people out of my life. Like I, there, were, there were people that, that I enjoyed doing life with and hanging out with, but I knew they were gonna be toxic to the direction that God had in my life. And if I didn't get them out of my life, then I wouldn't be in a position to be able to minister to them down the road. And I think of this in the good soil, and I think about it's not just the plant growing, but it's producing a harvest. And I think of the plant growing as our own relationship with God and the harvest being the impact that we make in other people's lives. Like there's not a lot, I mean, farmers, yes, they're gonna grow, grow a crop and they're gonna eat their own crop, but the majority of the crop is for who? For other people. And I think it's this idea that when we've got this, this fertile soil of our heart that as God begins to, to, to do things, to cast seed in our life, that, that not only are we able to grow, but a signifier of that growth is that we're making an impact in other people's lives. That this harvest that's 30, 60, 100 fold, that it's not a harvest about money. It's not about us being able to accumulate more money. It's about us accumulating more influence in people's lives for the kingdom of God. Church, the soil of our heart, it matters. And so, so the way that we cultivate that presence of God in our life is we've got to create some space, 
some margin for God. If you're taking notes, you can write this down on the screen. Hurry is one of the greatest enemies to our spiritual life. Hurry is one of the greatest enemies to our spiritual life. Life That when, when, when we're always on the go, when we're always moving from task to task and emails are open and the TV is blaring and social media is just chirping every like 10 seconds and, and, and we're kind of, we're checking, we're doing all this kind of stuff that, 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 that God ends up with, with the leftovers. He ends up being left in the background and it hinders our ability to be able to hear his voice. Grant, you can come on up. Number three, that we will hear God's voice clearer when we're planted in the church. We will hear God's voice clearer when we're planted in the church. So no, not just getting into the word, not just cultivating his presence in our life, like, like making sure that the soil of our heart is good, but but also getting planted in the church puts us in an atmosphere where we can hear God's voice clearer. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you can't hear God's voice outside of the church. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But what I am saying is, is that we can't expect to hear the voice of God clearer if we neglect what he loves the most, his bride. Let me put it this way. The quickest way for somebody to get X'd out by me, and I don't mean like sniper X'd out. I mean like, <laughs> that's not why I'm a good shot. I'm just saying. The reason why, or the quickest way to get X'd out in my kind of circle of influence is guess, to mess with my bride, right? You're gonna run over her, you're going to do her wrong. Like, don't expect me to come over for barbecue. Don't expect me to go to coffee and to hang out and be your buddy-buddy if you're running all over my bride. And I think about that in the context of Jesus. Like, like, like you want to hear his voice clearer than fall in love what he, with what he has fallen in love with, his his bride, the corporate gathering of believers. And, and, and we see this in Psalm 92, how important getting planted is. It says in verse 12 that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, that they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Look at verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God that planted in the house of the Lord, those people will flourish in the courts of our God. Friend, if you want to hear God clearer, if you want to avoid ruin in your marriage, if you want to avoid ruin in your future, if you want to avoid financial ruin, if you want to avoid ruin in your relationships, then what we've got to do is we've got to quit making decisions based upon what seems right to us. And we've got to begin to push away some of the distractions in our lives so that we can hear God clearer. You know, getting planted in the church 
has nothing to do with what numbers we have on Sunday mornings. It has everything to do of the way that God has constructed his bride. And he talks about it in Corinthians, about the one body and the many parts that that we don't function as the bride in the way that he desires for us to function when, when, when the hands are missing and when the ears are missing and when you got an eye plucked out over here and you got toes missing and, and, and a leg gone and, and, and like we don't function the way that God desires us to function. And there's something about coming into the house of God. There's something about coming together with other believers in Christ and, and, and worshiping together and singing together and praying for one another and, and receiving from what God has for us in His Word that day. There's just there's something about being in the house of God that the Bible says when we're planted there, our lives begin to flourish. You know, what are some ways to get planted in the local church? And listen, you, you don't have to get planted here. Like there's a lot of amazing churches in our town. Like I'd love for you to get planted here, but you don't have to get planted here. Go where God is leading you to go, where you hear the voice of God saying, that is your tribe, that is your people, go there. And, and when you get there, don't just kind of get there half-heartedly. Don't just be somebody that comes in and slips out and nobody ever notices you're here, but get planted in the church. And what does planted look like to me? And this is kind of, we've kind of built our, our church around what we have identified as being things that are super important for Christ followers to do in order to be planted and to, to be able to flourish. And the first one is, is you kind of have to go to church. <laughs> like the busyness, like beginning to push, maybe there's something that, 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 that is kind of pulling you away and maybe you're coming to church once a month or once every two months. And, and what that would look like for you is, is, is coming probably three times a month, that, that this becomes a place of priority. You're beginning to say no to some things that you like in order to say yes to God so that you can be in an atmosphere where you can be encouraged by other believers and, and hear His voice. And another one is to start serving. Like every single one of us were created for a purpose. We were created on purpose and for a purpose. That God has, when you get planted in a local church, God has you there because there's something he has gifted you and anointed you to do that only you can do. And we as a body of Christ become a, a more accurate reflection of what is in God's heart for this church and this community. When you say, God, whatever that is, that one step, like, I, like here I am, as Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, here I am, send me, use me, like whatever that looks like. And if you don't even know how to get started with that, join us for the luncheon next Sunday and let's hang out for an hour and, and, and give us an opportunity to kind of share about the church and we can help you kind of see some areas to get connected to. And, and then another way is to become a part of a small group. Next week, we're going to have the group expo out here in the foyer and we're going to have some opportunities for you to connect with some other people. And, and guys, small groups like getting connected to people that are on a similar journey as you are. 
people that over time, as you build relationships, that you can be like, man, I'm struggling with this. Like I, I could use some prayer. Somebody that, that begins to know you well enough that they could see it in your eyes. That you need a hug, that you need a prayer. You need somebody to, to, to step in and just let you know that God has not forsaken you. He's not left you. I like to call them 2 a.m. friends. How many 2 a.m. friends do you have in this church that, that if all hell broke loose in your life and it was two o'clock in the morning, who could you call? Like, who are you that connected to? That God desires us to have those kind of relationships in our life. God desires us, he's built us to, to find the most joy and fulfillment in our lives by serving and making an impact in other people's lives. But the distractions in our lives cause us, lead us to live a life about what we can get out of it, not what we can give. And friend, I'll tell you this. Listen, I'll tell you this as somebody that didn't grow up in Sunday school, somebody that has no idea what a flannel graph thing is and put Bible character, like, I don't know. Like, like I had to get a picture Bible when I got saved as a 20-year-old. Like, I didn't know any of the stories of the Bible. Like, that's just not my background, where I came from. But this is what I know. You give, you give God six months. You give God six months where you go all in and you say, God, I'm going to come to church every week and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a part of a small group and I'm going to join a serve team or I'm going to go this Saturday and, and help the church as we do an outreach at, at this women's home, this recovery home and whatever it is that, that you're like, God, I'm going to go all in. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I'm at seven days of, of prayer. I'm going to make sure that I'm at the night of worship. Like if you will go all in for six months, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you will never regret it that you will look back in the rearview mirror of those six months and you will say, this is the best six months of my life because that's how God rolls. You don't get all that he has for you by kind of putting your toes, tiptoeing in the water. You get all of what God has for you by going all in. The Bible said in Acts, they devoted themselves. And friend, that's a part of our spiritual journey that if we want to experience God's best, we want to hear his voice and follow his direction and leading that we've got to be a people that will devote ourselves to the things of God and allow him to develop what he wants to develop in us and to make a difference in the lives of the people that he wants us to make a difference in. Would you bow your head with me today? Father, we thank you for your word. God, I don't, I don't share this message today because I've figured it all out. I don't share it today because I don't ever struggle with distraction or busyness. Lord, I share it because it's a, it's a tactic of the enemy that the, the enemy uses against all of us. It doesn't matter how long we've been following you and doesn't matter what our prayer life looks like and what our Bible memorization looks like. It, none of that matters that the enemy comes against us and brings busyness to try to drown out your voice in our life. Today, Father, we, we want to make a course correction. 
that right now, Lord, as we pray this prayer, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, if there's people that are here that, God, they're beginning to recognize that they've gotten a little bit off, off course, that, Father, they would begin to implement the one in 60 rule spiritually, that, Father, your Holy Spirit would begin to stir in their heart. God, you would begin to reveal maybe it's something in their life that has just been keeping them busy or distracting them. Good things, but these good things are keeping them from the best things. And Lord, I pray in this moment, Lord, you would begin to reveal that. Friend, if that's you, just right there. Lord, you don't have, you don't have to say it out loud. It could be between you and God. But right there, just say, Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me for allowing whatever it is to distract me from what you have for my life. Pray this is this is you. Like, Father, forgive me for doing in my life what, what has seemed right. And then blaming you for the outcome. Father, forgive me. And Lord, today I don't make a declaration that I'll never do it again because I will. But I make a declaration that I'm going to perform routine course correction checks in my life. And I'm going to put myself in an environment that I can hear your voice clear. And I'm going to pick up my word. And I'm not going to not take a step because I don't see the path. I'm going to have faith to trust that I could take one step with you, that one step at a time with you, God, is better than me doing what seems right in my own life. With every head bowed and eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. Maybe today the voice that you're hearing is a voice of it's time to get right. It's time to come back. It's time to quit doing things your way and it's time to surrender your life to God. Friend, if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer today. It's a prayer that will change your life heading. And it'll be the best decision you've ever made. There every head bowed and eye closed. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but right there where you're at, just, just slip your hand up as a declaration to God that today's the day that I want to get things right. Today's the day that I want to quit calling the shots in my own life and I want to surrender my life to you. Maybe you're watching from home right now and you can just slip up that hand. God sees your hand. I want you to say this prayer with me today and church family, say it out loud with me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me for living life my way. Today I choose to surrender you.
Come live inside of me and change me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give it up for those that today made a decision to come back to God? Best decision I ever made in my life, and I guarantee you to be the best that you have ever made. I want to make sure that today, before you leave, don't do this. If you prayed that prayer today, don't slip out through those doors and just go back to life as normal. Our prayer team at the end of the service, they'll be up here in the front. Make sure you take a step of faith, a step of faith to come down and introduce yourself and let them know about this new journey that you're on and let them come alongside of you and pray with you today. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.